Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture this morning is about that topic, God's love for us. This is from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. This, Paul writes, is why I kneel before the Father. Every ethnic group in heaven or on earth is recognized by him. I ask that he will strengthen you and your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith as a result of having strong roots in love. I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth together with all the believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Now glory to God who is able to do far more, far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever and always. Amen. Now, O oh God, uh, would you fulfill your promise to, to take our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh? Give us this morning hearts, uh, minds, souls, not only to comprehend as much as we possibly can of your love, but to feel it, to receive it, to know it, to experience it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kelly and I recently discovered a TV show. You probably already knew about it. It's called Married at First Sight. Anybody know Married at First Sight? Uh, The premise of the show is uh, couples or individuals, rather, apply to be on the show. They have references, they're interviewed, they go through psychological testing, and then experts see if they can pair two individuals together that because of their compatibility could potentially have a great marriage. And the couples meet each other for the first time at the altar as they are wed. And then you journey with them through eight weeks to see if they really are compatible and if they really can form a lasting love relationship. Most of them do not. Um, But a few of them do. Um, But isn't it fascinating how much we enjoy watching, seeing whether people will fall in love or not? There are a number of these reality, reality TV shows about love and relationship. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Are You the One, Too Hot to Handle, Temptation Island, Love is Blind, and the list goes on and on and on and on. But add to that, how many TV shows are about love? How many movies are about love? How many books are about love? Either how-to, you know, technically, you know, self-help, or uh, romance novels. How many apps and websites are there to help you find uh, your romantic 
partner? How many songs on the radio sing about some version of love? If you just pay attention, it would seem that we are a culture obsessed with love. Now, now the love that all those have in common, of course, is that's romantic love. That's, that's relational love. But is that the only kind of love there is? Of course not. What about the love that, that parents and children share? What about the love that, that we have in marriage? What about the love that siblings feel? What about the love between friends? What about love at church, right? But let's even go further. Like some of us love stuff, right? I just recently rewatched the old uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy and remember the character Gollum uh, who was obsessed with that ring that had to get destroyed. And what did he call it? My precious. Right? He loved that ring, right? How many of us love food or drink or fashions or technology, the latest video game, the latest iPhone? How many of us passionately love our school or our favorite team? How many of us share in the American love of the car, or the automobile? How many of us love our annual vac- vacation, right? We love a lot. I mean, we love our pets, right? We love so many different things in so many different ways. And I suppose that's the problem when we say love. We mean so many different things by it. I mean, does it mean the same when I say I love my wife versus I love my children? Similar, but not exactly the same, of course. What does it mean when I say I love my job and I love my lunch? Can that mean, right? Can that mean, can that mean the same? Or I love that movie I saw this weekend, right? Sometimes when we talk about love, we're talking about attraction and romance. Sometimes we're talking about connection, a feeling of deep bonding with another. Sometimes we're talking about our sense of meaning and purpose in life. Sometimes we're talking about the pleasure or enjoyment we get from someone or something. We mean a lot by it. It's clear the human heart is capable of a broad array of loves. The question for us this morning is, where does God fit into that that kind of love? Does it mean the same when I say, I love God and I love ice cream? Doesn't mean the same, does it? Where does your love for God fit into the love that's in your heart? The theologian, medieval theologian, St. Thomas Aquinas wrote, the things that we love tell us what we are. Is that true? For you, the things that we love tell us what we are. Or Thomas Merton says it in a similar but different way. He says, a life is either all spiritual or not spiritual at all. No one can serve two masters. Your life is shaped by the end you live for. You are made in the image or you're formed in the image of what you desire. I wonder if Merton would allow us just to tweak that slightly. What if it said, our lives are shaped by who or what we love? Our lives are shaped by who or what we love. That maybe we are formed, made, shaped in the image of the things, the people we love. What do you love? Do a little bit of self-introspection this morning. What do you love? Who do you love? Today we're going to wrap up a four-week series on, on love and our relationship with God. We've been calling it The Journey deeper. Each week we've been trying to intentionally kind of talk about what the next step might be in our relationship with God so that we can grow in that relationship. We can deepen that relationship. We can intensify that relationship. We said that we start the journey, many of us, as as basically consumers. 
There's a God that's all powerful, that, that provides blessings for our lives. And we start, many of us, like that. The, the God is the place we go when we need assistance or we need a blessing. But we said, Let, let's take a step further. So we talked about becoming soul explorers. Don't ever be content with what you already know. Don't be content with what you think you've experienced with God. There's more to learn. There's more to do. There's more to experience. There's more to grow. Then last we said the third step is worship. Not just attending worship, but becoming worshipers. People who out of gratitude for God understand the worth of God and seek encounters with God where we can express our hearts to God for our value for who God is in our lives. But today is the ultimate goal, the telos, the destination, uh, the, 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 the summit, if you will, and that is love. To become lovers of God, to become so aware of God's love for us that love becomes the nature, the character of who we are. Now let's talk about that journey just a, a, a bit more. It is possible as consumers to love God, certainly is, but the risk is that we end up loving what God gives us more than we love God as God's self, right? We love God for what God does for us, not just for God's being. Um, it's also possible that we not love God if God doesn't give us what we think we deserve, right? Then our love becomes contingent. It is quite possible as seekers to be lovers of God, but it's also possible to be a religious expert and have no love in your heart, right? Think about the Pharisees. This was the complaint Jesus had about the Pharisees. Certainly, we would think to be a true worshiper of God that you need to love God, but there are people who worship out of fear. If I don't worship, what would God do to me, right? Or maybe even an overheightened sense of consumption that if I worship well enough, if I express my heart well enough, God will give me more. You see, all of that is a bit limited in terms of how it leads us to loving God. That's the most important part of the journey that we come to a place where we realize this is all about love. Every bit of this journey is about falling more deeply into the love of God, that the gifts of God reveal to us the heart of God. That our spiritual searching isn't just for spiritual truth, but spiritual truth grounded in love. That our worship becomes a response to the daily sense that God loves us. Scripture's clear. The nature and the character of who God is is grounded in love. 1 John 4, God is love. That is God's self-definition. 1 John 4, 8 through 10, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, Julian of Norwich wrote, God loved us before God made us. And God's love has never diminished and never shall. So I mentioned before a minute ago that um, the, I think one of the challenges is the, the, the ways we use love can be a little bit confusing. The Bible helps a little bit in that the New Testament was written in Greek, and the word translated as love in the New Testament is actually four different Greek words that were used for love. One of those is a word, philios, from which we get the city Philadelphia, the city of Brotherly love. Philios is that kind of family love. We, we don't have to be family to share it, but that's sort of that sibling kind of love. The second one is eros, from which, we word we get, from which we get the word, anybody? 
erotic, right? It's, it's a romantic love. It's a, it's a sexually driven kind of love. The third is called storge, and storge means really a kind of affection, different in that it's not affection for someone that you're necessarily sexually attracted to. It's the, it's the kind of way we're drawn to certain people, right? You know, you just meet somebody and you immediately sense that we could have a friendship, right? We could have a connection. That's, that's stor- storge. The fourth is what's considered the perfect love. It's the way God loves. It's called agape. It's unconditional. It's self-sacrificing. It's always other oriented. It's always moving in the direction of the other. Agape is 100% unconditional. God's love for us, agape, is never based on our performance, our lovability, our faith, our doubts, our obedience. God just loves us, period. God loves us as we are, wherever we are. There's nothing we can do to add to God's desire to love us, and there's nothing we can do to take away from it even when we don't reciprocate. God loves us still. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord, what? Never ceases. Now this is a book called Lamentations. Lamentations of the time, weeping and mourning and life isn't going well. But... The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's where the hymn comes from. Great is your faithfulness. So a moment ago, you heard me read from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In it, he said, I pray for you. And this is what I pray. That you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you must be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I think Paul's praying an impossible prayer. I think Paul's praying basically an unanswerable prayer. How can humans possibly ever fully understand the height, width, depth, and length of God's love? I don't think we can. I don't think we can. In fact, as I was preparing this message today, I was simultaneously thinking this is the easiest sermon to prepare for and the hardest. The easiest because I'm absolutely convinced that the character and nature of God is an unconditional, overflowing love and that my words and my examples completely fail me that I can't begin to give this topic the justice that it deserves. How can I possibly say that I understand the height, width, love, length, and depth of God's love when I can't even find all the words that I want to to tell my wife that I love her? I just keep saying it over and over. I love you. I love you. I love you, right? And hope that she understands what I'm trying to get across. How can I begin to understand the love that I instantaneously felt when my children were born? I had no relationship with them yet, and I would have died for them from the moment I saw them. How do I understand the the depth of love that I've received from friends when I have not always been the most faithful of friends? Think for a minute. When have you felt most fully loved? By whom? Whom have you loved most deeply? 
Who have you been most in love with? Who was that? When have you felt supported by love? Encouraged, accepted, forgiven? When have your feelings of love been most intense, most electrified? When has love sustained you? Who has expressed love to you in the most convincing way, verbally, through words, through deeds, through their faithfulness? And I want you to hear this this morning. No matter who you are, no matter how much love you feel or not, no much how much experience of love you've had in this life or not, God's love is greater. God's love. Nothing in this world can compare fully to God's love for us. God's love is higher, deeper, longer, etc. Nothing compares to it. No metaphor is ever sufficient, except for one, perhaps. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what Scripture tells us. You want to know who God is? You want to know what love is like? Look at Jesus. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Romans 8, 38 through 39. I'm convinced. That Paul said. I'm not halfway with it. I'm not thinking about it. I kind of have a hunch. He says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love, God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or anything that is created can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, once said, there is nothing higher in religion. There is, in effect, nothing else. If you look for anything but more love, you're looking wide of the mark. You're getting out of the royal way. In essence, there's nothing else, friends. That is the journey. That's the journey deeper. It's a journey toward love. Is that real for you? Is the way the Bible describes God's love, especially through Jesus, is that Is that real for you? I mean, just not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge. Is that a love that you know to be real? It can be. God wants it to be. Have you felt it? Is in some way Paul's prayer that we would know a love that's beyond knowledge becoming real for you? Now, so far in in this message, I've pretty much only been talking about God's love for us, but I said the journey deeper is our love for God. How, how, how do you love God? How do you reciprocate that love? 1 John 4, 16 kind of describes a reciprocal relationship. It says, God is love and those who remain in love, remain in love. It's not just stay in love. It means exist within it. Enter it. That's relational language. Abide in it. Participate in it. God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. It means we're not just passive, consuming recipients of love, but we're engaged. As we are loved, we love and respond, right? Now, Jesus once was asked, right? You've heard this. What's the greatest commandment? He said, there is one, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your being, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
And the second is like it. So he didn't just stop there. So what's the greatest command? He could have just stopped there, but he added, because this is critical. He said, the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commands. You see, there's something in the way that God created us that as we love God, we love people. That as we love the nature of God, it becomes easier to love people. Easy may not be the right word, but you seem to understand. It flows from a different kind of spiritual place. But the opposite is true. I find that people who have experienced human love in its fullness seem to have an easier time understanding and receiving God's love. If humans have treated you graciously, it's easier to understand God of grace. If humans have forgiven you and you've been able to receive that forgiveness, it seems easier to understand God's forgiveness, right? We seem to need to do this uh, in community with each other. 1 John 4, 7-8 says, Dear friends, let's love each other. Let's love each other because love is from God and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. We need people around us. In fact, I think that's why we do this to a large degree, not just this. We seem to need to be around people where love can take on flesh. And love can be expressed in words. And love can be expressed in deeds. I think that's why the Bible talks so much about the way we're relating to each other. Be humble. Forgive each other. Comfort each other. Support each other. Forgive each other. Strengthen each other. Fight for justice together. Experience peace together. Build bridges to one another. Why? Because the more we do that, the more we're doing it with God. The more that we feel those connections with each other, the more deeply we're connected to God. Friends, we're invited to become lovers. Are you a lover? We're invited to become lovers and to love each other, to love God, to love God's creation from a deep well of generous spiritual love. We're invited to be lovers who love authentically in our words and our deeds. We say it. We show it. We're called to be lovers with open hearts to everyone. People who love generously. People who love and embrace others like family, like friends, even strangers, even, this is the hard one, even enemies. True lovers accept differences. True lovers dedicate all of their lives, their work and their service as expressions of love. Lovers fight for justice. Lovers express it in kindness and compassion. Lovers see endless signs and expressions of God's love in all things. Lovers have an unwavering awareness of God's love for them. Lovers, that's what we're invited to be. Lovers ever growing in depth of our love for God. And so I end with this. I, I don't know how to say anything more about love, but Mother Teresa says it well, so listen to this. We must know that we have been created for greater things. Not just to be a number in the world, not just to go for diplomas and degrees, this work and that work. We have been created in order to love and be loved. We've been created in order to love and be loved. Let that just resonate in your heart for a while. We have been created to love and to be loved.
true for you. It's true for me. It's true for all of us. Let us pray. And so, God, we thank you for your love. We don't understand it. We don't, Lord. But thank you for it nonetheless. Help us. Help us, Lord, to be people who both accept and believe and receive your love and return it and share it with others. Lord, I pray, I pray for the person here this morning who struggles with this topic the most, who maybe have never been told that they are loved, have never felt loved. Maybe they've been betrayed by love, hurt by love. There is something in this world, Lord, that hardens hearts and shrinks hearts. You are a God of expansive hearts, a God who deepens the love within us. So we ask for that. Lord, give us experiences that deepen our love. Give, lead us to words that deepen our love. Even in this moment, Lord, would you wrap arms of love around each, each person in this room. Make it real for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this journey that we're on. We know it doesn't end today. Maybe, maybe it's barely begun for any of us. Keep us on a journey, Lord, that leads deeper and deeper and deeper into who you are and who you can be for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.